Welcome in to quite possibly the most interesting Tavian Keg Daily of all time. I'm your host, Charlie. Uh, I've got a lot. We've had a lot of new followers um, on t- Twitter, Instagram, TikTok last few days uh, because of different things we've done. I appreciate all of you. If this is your first show, I promise you uh, they're going to be better than this. Um, I'm not trying to dissuade you. We have a lot to talk about. We're going to talk about the fifth year man roster. We're going to talk about Brewers Cubs. We're going to talk about Badger best bets. Uh, we're also maybe going to mention the Jack story at the end if we're time or if I want to talk about it. But um, this is a little bit different. Um, the reason why is because I basically had a podcast done. I was probably at one more segment, probably another 10 minutes, maybe 15 uh, from wrapping up, it was a little late. Um, I had a fantasy football draft. And then for some reason, Odyssey, I don't really know if it crashed or I was just, I was like trying to move to it to see where I was in terms of my time. And when I moved there, I like X'd out and lost my file and the whole thing. And then I couldn't get back on the Odyssey. And I'm like, well, I want to tape this podcast because I'm not really going to bed. <laughs> I'm pissed off to all the high heavens, really. Um, and I was just like, I need to get this fucking done. I need to get this out the door before I can sleep. And I don't even know if I'll sleep afterwards because, you know, I had a couple incidents with my computer tonight. So I was worried that, you know, maybe this is affecting it. I hope not. Um, that would be the last thing that I want. And just that maybe it's just a weird night um, and that everything will be good once I restart it. Uh, run some updates and everything else, and we'll be back to normal uh, tomorrow. But yeah, uh, it's incredibly uh, frustrating. I've never had this happen before. Um, I guess it's better that's me, and it's not Mitch and I, it's not Murph and I, it's not Shaken and I, and it's just me. Um, so I can I can wear it. Um, I can you know bear responsibility uh, transparently. It's been a tough podcast week. Uh, just a lot of shit going on in my life. Uh, and, and in terms of just like, I haven't had the time and I hate that. I hate when that happens. Um, it's very frustrating. I hate when I'm doing like morning podcasts for you guys, uh, because I know there's so many of you, uh, just cause like what I see the numbers is like a lot of you listen early in the day, um, which is great. Um, and I heard from my guy JD today, it was like, listen, when you, um, lawn, he goes lawn, it's awesome. And like that all that, that makes me happy. And I love hearing that. Um, and so I, I really try to give you guys the most consistent and best experience. And so when things go off the rails, we had, I had a really good topic, like, um, and I'm going to try to emulate it as much as I can. Um, I don't want to necessarily talk too long. It's uh, 1.30 uh, in the evening. Uh, I have a day job, so I can't just sleep this off. Um, and, you know, I, I was kind of like, I wouldn't say laboring to get here. Uh, but I was just like, it was just not necessarily uh, my first thing I wanted to do. Uh, but I'm here and I'm, I'm doing it for you guys. And I really appreciate the support. I really appreciate the listens and appreciate uh, you guys sharing it with your networks today. Um, if you are new, again, I apologize. Um, but we are on all the socials, Tabby the Keg on Twitter, Tabby the Keg Sports on Instagram, as well as TikTok. If you're following on one, follow on another. We're also on Facebook under that same guidance. Uh, 
What else? Uh, we also, uh, you know, it's Apple, Spotify, uh, wherever else you podcast, uh, we'll, we'll be there for you. So we're going to talk um, about the Packers. We're going to talk a little bit about the Brewers. We'll do a Badger Best Bat, and then we'll ride out of here. Uh, it'll be a shorter show uh, than what we are accustomed to, just given all the thing, all the background that I gave you. Uh, if you uh, didn't necessarily need that, um, I think it's been about like five or six minutes. Uh, so I will try to timestamp that at least in our uh, description. So if you guys are like, well, what is he talking about? Uh, you can go back and listen now. Uh, but yeah, let's talk about the Green Bay Packers. So the Green Bay Packers uh, made their 53-man cut. They made their rosters. Uh, they now have a 53-man roster. I think it's interesting that they do it now um, versus Labor Day weekend. I think it's actually very cool of the NFL uh, because you don't have that fourth preseason game. You don't necessarily have to uh, do it last second and teams get time to look at what they have and then make moves, right? And decide, all right, wait, actually we need another corner or we need another running back or we need uh, this guy or that guy. And we can kind of formulate a practice squad. It it doesn't necessarily have to be this rushed activity. Uh, They can kind of sort of suss it out and figure out exactly what they need, what they don't need uh, from this team. And so I think that I I like that aspect of it. Uh, I I don't think anyone's clamoring for a fourth preseason game. I think we've all seen enough. Uh, And, you know, a lot of the preseason all-stars, if you will, made the team. And I think that, you know, it doesn't always happen. I think it happens maybe for this Green Bay team because there's less veterans. So they're like, why not? Why not keep the best guys that we have in the best 53 and see if we can develop them into something. And the Packers have had really good luck in terms of developing guys that were just off the street, right? Rasul Douglas, Keyshawn Nixon, uh, Rudy Ford. Now I know they're all secondary players, but that those, those have been the guys. Al Lazard, uh, be a good example on the wide receiver side. Uh, Robert Tunyon, if you will. Uh, like those are all guys that the Green Bay Packers have sort of taken – you know, from the rubble and made them into guys, made them into people that were reliable in terms of the a NFL roster. And, you know, I, there were no like big, you know, shocker with the quarterbacks, you know, you love and Clifford. I think Magoo's going to be on the practice squad or they'll add another practice squad guy. They always seem to carry three quarterbacks in the sense of one is there for the practice squad to, you know, kind of keep that room vibrant. I doubt they'll stay at two. I'd be really surprised if they don't add a quarterback to the practice squad. Uh, with the running back position, you know, that was one of the bigger, you know, shocks was A, Emmanuel Wilson made the team. Uh, he didn't even get cut. He didn't get like, hey, go back to the practice squad. Manny Wilson's on this team. And part of the reason why Manny Wilson's on this team is because he was absolutely great in the post the preseason. Uh, he wrote, ran his ass off. He was the top rusher in all of uh, you know the NFL for preseason. And that is something that the Packers took stock in. And Packers saw what he's done, and they think there's a spot for him. Uh, I think that when I envisioned a third running back, I thought it would be like a Tyler Gibson type. Now, granted, he gets waved it in because injured because he hurt his shoulder in the first preseason game. That was super shitty luck for him. Uh, I hope Tyler uh, bounces back. 
um, and that he's able to find a landing spot, whether it's in Green Bay or somewhere else, uh, you know. And I thought that Wilson, you know, might not necessarily make it because of Patrick Taylor, because Patrick Taylor does a lot of similar things he does. But I would say Wilson's a little bit of a better runner. Like he's he runs harder than Patrick Taylor. Uh, Patrick Taylor doesn't necessarily have that explosiveness uh, that we see out of Wilson. Uh, but Wilson's frame is kind of similar to AJ Dillon. So then I started thinking about it, and I was like, okay. What's A.J. Dillon's contract? Let's look that up. If you look that up, uh, you can go to SpotRec and check that out. A.J. Dillon has one year left on his deal for $1.13 million. A.J. Dillon is very well liked by the Packers community. He's done so many good things. He is a very well-liked guy. But if we can keep it 100 here, we can all agree that A.J. Dillon didn't have the greatest season last year, that A.J. Dillon did not take that step forward, that it – it sometimes seemed like A.J. Dillon was using the aw shucks nice guy to kind of get by with being just an average football player. And I had called him, I think, what did I call him? I had a nickname for him that I, I kind of reverted back. But it was, oh, man, I can't remember. Donaldson Dillon? No, it wasn't that. I'd have to think about it. Uh, but anyways, I was I felt like I was a little harsh. And I was like, yeah, he's kind of a really nice guy. And shouldn't do that. And, and then I, I just waver on AJ Dillon all the time. But I, I think with Wilson, it's like, I wonder if the Packers are seeing this as, all right, next year we're going with Aaron Jones and Emmanuel Wilson. And if Emmanuel Wilson can show it, you know, in terms of a regular season game, that maybe Emmanuel Wilson is the guy. And maybe Emmanuel Wilson can be, you know, that backup. And it's obviously going to be much more low cost for the Packers from a second round pick to an undrafted guy. And you've seen undrafted running backs come through before and just come out of absolute nowhere. Uh, and I'm not saying that Dylan's spot of the depth chart right now is in danger, but could it be in danger come mid late November, early, early December? Maybe that's, that could be on the table. I, I hope, you know, I wouldn't say I hope not. I, I just, I, I just wonder. I also wonder if the Packers are shitty and they're bad football team, which I don't expect them to be. But I think, you know, there's a, there is a path. There's a chance that that happens. And if they are, would they trade Dylan? Dylan to me seems like a guy that would really fit for a lot of, a lot of playoff contending teams in November and December, you know, because of his physical nature, he's built for November and December football. And I do wonder would there be interest in Dylan with his, you know, basically being an inspiring contract. Packers wouldn't get a lot for Dylan uh, if they were to trade him. But if they did move on from him, you know, is that, you know, an avenue they go if the Packers are struggling? So that move from the running backs, you know, wide receiver position. Uh, they kept six. Uh, they, Malik Heath, one of, I don't think a surprise. I think Malik Heath right now is wide receiver four. How can he not be? Uh, Dontrevin Wicks hasn't played much. Samara Torres had a pretty, unspectacular camp. Uh, the only reason for it would be number four is because you don't want to have two rookies and you want to just kind of keep the consistency and maybe a little more familiarity. But I think Jordan Love has spoke about Heath and likes playing with Heath and these, you know, he's had some moments. He got a chance to play a little bit more with the ones uh, early on, on Saturday, you know, and give him that opportunity. Let him, let him try. I don't, I doubt the Packers will be going for wide receiver sets. I, I don't think they're going to play a lot of 11 but maybe they will. And maybe Heath will get that opportunity. Uh, and I, I I really am interested to see, you know, if Heath can, you know, emulate that success and, you know, do that again in the, in the, on the big stage. And I, I think it'll take some time. 
think they'll be growing pains. I think he'll contribute on special teams. Uh, I'm surprised Torrey kept his job. Uh, the Packers must see something there, right? He's not he's not the youngest chicken, you know, in the coop. And so I, I do wonder, you know, is, is that something they're holding on to and they see him as a project and are kind of just taking the full body of work, right? Corey worked his ass off last year was, you know, Aaron Rodgers gave him so much praise, you know, whether it was after, I think it was after that Buffalo game on the Pat McAfee show and talked about like how great Tory was and how, how much he didn't put in the work. And so maybe, you know, the Packers gave him a little bit of grace and at least for the start of the season, who knows if that continues uh, for the entire year, but I, I think at least for the, the start. They only have three tight ends. Uh, that worries me. I, I don't think Austin Allen's anything special. Uh, I just, I don't know. Uh, it's Degura, it's it's Kraft, it's Musgrave. It's very inexperienced. You don't have a blocking tight end yet. I do wonder if a move is still on the precipice for that, or they see somebody who got cut and that they think they can add to their team, and then maybe that's you know a move after the move, if you will. Uh, I'm not too worried about Tucker Craft. Uh, I think I said it on podcast before. If I didn't, I've said it to a couple of friends. So, so those who listen have heard this before from me. You know, Craft is going to take some time. Uh, it's it's definitely a project. Uh, at Dallas Goddard talked on part of my take. We went San Diego, uh, South Dakota State, not San Diego. So they both went to South Dakota State. Both played tight end. Both are very good at their position. Goddard talked about how much it took him to develop, and it, it was not an easy transition for him. And I wonder if Kraft is dealing with some of the similar things uh, that God went through and that it's going to be a year before we really see the true Tucker Kraft where it's going to take till November or December before Kraft really breaks out. Um, I could certainly see that on the table. And I feel a lot better about that if they had another tight end. They don't like what happens if Musgrave gets hurt. He got hurt last year. Like that to me is like besides Jordan Love going down, that is like a huge fucking red flag for this team. And they have to kind of address that. And I, I don't think you can go in with three tight ends. I, I think you have to make a move. Um, I just think you're playing with fire. And Brian Gunacus might know better than me, but, man, I, I don't know how I feel about that. 11, 11 offensive linemen is also another thing I'm very unsure about. Uh, I, I wonder if, you know, I, I think there are a couple things here. Uh, one, I think they're wanting to make sure Dave Bakhtiari is health, healthy. I think they're just – some of it's precautionary – what if Bakhtiari gets hurt again? Do we just have a little extra just to make sure that our assets are covered, that we don't just sell off a guy like Josh Nyman, and then Bakhtiari goes down and boom, we we are in the ship again. Um, and we don't have the same offensive line that you know we had hoped for. Uh, is it part because they're trying to work on a deal for Nyman or Royce Newman? I have no idea how Royce Newman has a fucking job. That's unbelievable. Uh, that's more unbelievable than me deleting all my files today. Like, I, I just, I, I don't know how Royce Newman has a job. Like, he's the guy who just does nothing all day. Like, your buddy who's like, oh, yeah, I played, like, you know, 10 rounds of Call of Duty uh, during my 9 to 5. Or he's just sending you memes all day long. You're like, do you fucking work? And my friends might say about me. I don't know. Uh, but, like, seriously, it's, I, if I, if someone told me I work like Royce Newman, I, I think I would spit in their face. Like, seriously. Uh, I, I just don't know how that man has a job. And I don't usually like to advocate for people that not have jobs, but when you're bad at it, like Royce Newman is, um, I, I just can't. I have no grace for you. And I don't know if this is Brian Unicus trying to be like, oh, look at my draft pick. Like I'm trying to hold on tight. It's fourth round pick. It's like, dude, just take the fucking out. That's sometimes my biggest frustration with Packers. They just do not take the L sometimes. And they don't just say, all right, yeah, we fucked up. 
I understand sometimes patience is good, right? People want them to, you know, get rid of James Jones, get rid of Devontae Adams, or one day I have Jeff Janis started with Devontae Adams. That's a real thing that, that was in society once upon a time. Like, I, I get it. Like, I get why you wait. But at the same time, sometimes you just suck. And Rice Newman sucks. Um, so we'll see what happens with those 11 linemen. I, I would say, I'll make a prediction here, is that having the keg special, um, you can't cash it in anywhere. But I will tell you right now, there's no way they keep 11 offense uh, by the start of the game against Chicago. They will not have 11 linemen on that team. Bet, bet that for you. I'm going to take a small sip of water. I'm going to try not to be too loud. Uh, I would usually edit this stuff out, but we are absolutely rolling. And I it's way too late for me to be editing anything. Uh, so we'll do that. Okay, uh, let's go with the defense. The defensive side of the ball, defensive line, there's absolutely nothing there that surprised me. Um, maybe Jonathan Ford keeps staying on the team, but I don't know. I, not, I don't think too much about Jonathan Ford. I don't long after uh, Jonathan Ford. Colby Wooden, who I want to say Wooden, I don't know why. Um, I think I said it on like when I first talked about him. I think I completely butchered his name. Uh, but yeah, Colby Wooden, uh, or I'm just going to call him Seawood. Um, Charles Woodson hated that nickname. We're going to run back with somebody else. Um, maybe try a bigger guy, see if he likes it. Um, but Seawood just works better. Um, and yeah, the defensive line, not surprised. Uh, they kept six edge rushers. I think that kind of surprised folks. I, I don't think anyone thought, it's not that they didn't think Brandon Cox would make the team. But I, I think that it was like, all right, roster construction-wise, it really makes sense to have six edge rushers. And they decided it did. And I, I do wonder if Rashawn Gary's health played a, a part of that. Now, Rashawn Gary did not go on the pop. He's going to be playing. But I, I wonder if they think they can just circle guys through and just make life living hell for quarterbacks. And it'll be really interesting to see, you know, kind of what the tiered process is. Like, obviously, they'll start Gary and Smith. But who's next? Ian Barr is probably next. Then you have Justin Hollins. Do you have Cox over Van Ness at this point? I think that's the other thing. Like this gives Van Ness more time to sort of develop into the player that he he wants to be. Um, and, and it is a little bit of a red shirt year for him. Uh, I don't think that means we're not going to see Luke Van Ness. I think you will. I think they'll want to still use his size, but I, I think they're going to use it kind of sparringly, um, unless of injuries. And so I, I really like what they have at the edge position. I think the edge position has become a position of strength for Green Bay. And I don't know if I thought that uh, at the start of this this training camp. And I think coming out of it with the way Cox played this preseason and with Ingen Barre's play this preseason, I, I feel like it is. And I, I just wonder, is Brian Gunacus regretting the Luke Van Ness pick? Like, is he regretting that pick because he looks at it and says, well, actually, we're, we're better here. Like, obviously, Preston Smith – is probably on his way out next year. Um, and and I haven't looked at this contract. I could. Um, and, but I, I doubt that Preston Smith is long for this organization. Again, another guy who could be a trade piece if things go off the rails they hear because they just have enough, right? And next year, it'll be Ingen Barr and Van Ness, you know, for that top spot. I, I said, I think I said it on podcast about Rashawn Gary when he first came back. Like, this still doesn't mean that we just don't pay Rashawn Gary. Like, you give Rashawn Gary the money. Like, paying pay an edge is kind of what you do in the NFL. Um, when you have a good one, you don't just let him walk out the door. Unless they're, you know, it's a second contract or they've had a bunch of injuries or whatnot. 
or they're disgruntled for some reason, edge guys can get a little sensitive. They're crazy. So they, they get, get sensitive from time to time. They kept five inside linebackers. That's kind of wild to me. I know it's special teams adjacent, right? Eric Wilson, Terry Carpenter, big special teams guy. Terry Carpenter might just be an inside linebacker by name only. Uh, they move positions. So him making the team is seems impressive, but I, I just wonder really are we ever going to see Terry Carpenter at the inside linebacker position? I'm kind of high on Isaiah McDuffie. I think Isaiah McDuffie has something. I don't know if he's good, like an actual good linebacker, but he's not Brad Jones. He's not Blake Martinez. And I think if you can clear that bar for me, you're you're okay. About um, so not surprised that he made, he made the team. Um, they, I, I think that's something that is is quite all right. Um, and uh, I'm cool with the the linebackers. Uh, the corners are only keeping four. No one. I don't know. I don't think anyone really saw that coming. I know it was possible. Uh, they did that last year to start the year. I think the more that I've thought about it, and now that I'm doing this for a second time. Uh, I think it really comes down to the fact that they're playing Chicago Atlanta to start the year, right? They're not teams that are going to run that are going to pass football. They want to run and they're not going to split you out. Um, like you might see, you know, from a Detroit, for example, who's week four. And I think by Detroit, you're going to need a corner and need an extra corner. And I think at that point, then Green Bay can make a move on a fifth corner. Uh, I, I also, you know, that could be when Stokes would come off would be week five, um, I highly doubt Stokes will be back week five. I think they'll take week five, then they'll take the bye, and then Eric Stokes will be back week seven. Will probably be when you'll see Eric Stokes again on the football field. And if all things go to plan, right, it could go off the rails, and then you don't have Eric Stokes for you know X amount of time. And that's also part of probably why you're going for is maybe there's an outside shot that they think Stokes is ready by week five, and then he potentially you get somebody to fill the gaps and against Detroit. So the more I think about the four corners, the more I'm actually okay with it. I think it's more matchup based than anything else. It's like when, I don't know if you guys do this, but with fantasy football, I always look at like who has a really weak schedule to start the year defensively where they could take advantage of that. Um, I've targeted Washington. Uh, the commanders have Arizona and they have Denver uh, the first two weeks. So and uh, like to me, those are like all right, lamps. And I'm usually a draft defense last guy. I did have San Francisco on a very good fantasy team I had last year, and that was fucking awesome. Like, and I think I picked them up. Like, that's the other thing about defense. It's like people get weird about them and they can't hold on. Like, well, I have a tough game, I'm gonna drop them. And I think I actually held two defenses at one point just because San Francisco. I think in New England, and like just. It's like, well, San Francisco's defense. It's like the best defense in football. Like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna like just not pick these guys up. Like, all right, but I know you guys don't give a fuck. Um, nor do I, uh, because it's it's very late and we're just we're rocking and rolling here. Uh and they had all the safeties. Uh Tavarius Morgan didn't make the team, Jonathan Owens did. a uh, lot of special teams guys in there, uh, with Dallin Levitt and Anthony Johnson Jr. Uh, and I, I think that, you know, their safety is going to be in a very interesting position. We talked about it a couple of times here on the podcast, and it's just a matter of are you, are, what are you getting out of that group? And I don't think anybody that didn't make the team, uh, whether it's Traverius Moore or the other name slipping me that, that didn't make, oh, and his gains didn't make it, Benny Sam. Like those guys are, are fine, but I, I don't think they're anything to write home about and that I'm I'm looking at it and being like, oh my God, Green Bay, Green Bay screwed up here. So 
I really think that the Packers, you know, did all right. Um, and I, I think that this is this is a pretty good roster, and it's a young roster. Uh, the oldest person is 31 years old. That's four years uh, younger than me. Uh, that is a real kick of the dick. Um, that is maybe number one. I'm getting really old. Um, you know, you see the guys who are born in 2000 um, yeah, when you go to the brewery and stuff like that. That always hurts. But the fact that the, the oldest Packers, 31 and four years younger than me, is just something else. Uh, that it would hurt if I was 32. I, but now I'm 30, like that's just a clear sign, man, that I am long for it. I mean, JJ Watt retiring was like number one, whereas like I played against that guy in high school and he's retiring from football. So that was the, what does that mean for my total athletic prowess is, is a real question. But yeah, um, it's going to be a fun season. I, I can't wait. Um, I'm really excited. Um, I, I think it's going to be a dynamite year for Packers. I'm very high on them. Uh, we've talked about that in the past and nothing's really uh, swayed me from that. All right, quick, whatever. Got to just wet the whistle. Went too much salt tonight uh, with the dominance. Okay, sorry. I, I usually would edit that out, but again, we're kind of on give no fucks uh, day. Milwaukee Brewers, they lost to the Chicago Cubs, won nothing, uh, basically battled the wind all night long. Uh, the Brewers were able to get on base. They couldn't bring anybody in. They were 0 for 5 with runners in scoring position. Their winning streak's over. Um, you got to lose at some point, right? Uh, and the Brewers lost one nothing. They had some opportunities, and they just could not – uh, bring them in. Uh, and Adamas had a couple. Montessera had a couple. Tyler had one. Uh, Yelich's caught stealing was brutal. Uh, I was in the eighth inning. He bunted on. And William Contreras hits an absolute nuke. Uh, that would have went out any other day at Rayleigh Field. But because of the wind, it blew it back in. And then he was caught stealing with Mark Canna, who was two for four in this game. And it's like, Man, I just – I don't know. Like, Yelich is so good at stealing bases. I understand. But at, that just, to me, felt like a frustration move, right? Um, and Canna strike, strikes out swinging. That ends the inning. Uh, and just the Brewers never really, you know, seem to get it going late in this game. The Cubs bullpen, which has been a, a little shaky at times for them, really did their job. Uh, you know, they had a 1-2-3 inning in the 7th, 8th, and ninth. Uh, Damas did have a long flyout, but again, the wind knocked it down. Taylor had a loud, loud flyout. You know, the Brewers had some opportunities here, mostly early on. Uh, Justin Seal kind of got settled in, and they just could not bring it home. Uh, and I, I think, you know, the Brewers are not a power team. They're a team that has been making a lot of great contact, and for them to have a game where they take a little bit of a step back, I guess, is not exactly surprising. Uh, it's also not like concerning at all. You think about the game they had on Monday, and that was a great win uh, where, you know, they get two home runs right away from Yelich and Cannons, kind of set the tone for the series. They get insurance runs. Their pitching was great. They, the Cubs did not have a runner in scoring position. Wade Miley was tremendous. I think, you know, Freddy Peralta has been so good and re-sort of established himself as that third pitcher for the Brewers. But I, I do really think you could put Wade Miley out there for multiple innings in the playoffs. Like I, I trust Wade for four or five innings in the playoffs. I, I think he has he has what it takes. Like he he's just a bulldog and he was on Monday night. And 
they they really played well in that game. And, you know, I, I don't think it takes away from tonight or, you know, that doesn't take away from tonight. Uh, tonight was obviously disappointing. You would have liked a little bit more. Justin Steele has been, you know, I think he's the NL Cy Young, which is crazy to say, right? A guy named Justin Steele who is kind of, was kind of unknown until this year, was an all-star. But you look at his resume, like he has 15 wins this year. Uh, he The Cubs have been good when he's been pitching. He's a huge catalyst for, you know, why they've been successful this year. He's been good on the road. Uh, I think if the Cubs make the playoffs, Justin Seals or Cy Young. Uh, I did want to do like a Devin Williams Cy Young topic, and maybe we will. Who knows? Um, but I, I think Justin Seal has to be considered. It's a weird race. Blake Snell's a, a nominee, but that Padres team fucking sucks. And so it's like, are you really going to give it to Snell over Steele? And maybe you do, but I, I still think you like winning matters and Steele went out there and he was not affected at all by the playoff atmosphere. And, and that it's a little scary uh, as a Brewer fan, honestly, because you just think about that they face him for, or they face them being the Cubs for the final three games of the series and then potentially a playoff game. And Steele's going to get that ball, you know, game number one. They did really well against him last time at American Family Field. Had a lead. Devin Williams blew that save. But so, like, that's the solace. But you, Justin Steele has been fucking nails against the Brewers. And he's a Brewer killer. I think you you can officially say it. You can put it in the books. Uh, he is definitely joining that club. And Kyle Hendricks has had his success against the Brewers. He's also stumbled against the Brewers. It's been all over the place for Hendricks. And, you know, we'll see what happens today. Uh, you really like to win the day. I, I told my dad on Monday, you know, if you if you go one and two against the Cubs, your winning streak kind of goes for naught. Like, all of a sudden, that winning streak doesn't feel as good. It's like a yeah, but, right? It's like when you clean the house, but one of the rooms, or I'm trying to think of a good – and now, yeah, it is it's like one of the room, like you leave like pee on the toilet seat a after like you've done this deep clean and your wife's coming home from a long weekend, but you had to take a quick pee, but you left pee on the toilet seat and she notices right away. Or like you're, you know, you're had a party at your parents' house back when you were underage and you left one beer can out. Not that I'm speaking from experience at all. Not that that ever fucking happened to me. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, it, it's like, yeah, it all is for not like all that cleaning, all the stuff you did. It doesn't matter. Like if the Brewers are three games up on the, on the Cubs heading into their really tough series against the Phillies who are so hot right now, their offense is just out of this world and they're just out hitting teams. Like they're not really pitching. well. Like they have four runs uh, the night before they have seven runs uh, to that last night. And so it's like they're, but they're just mashed. They had six runs uh, on Monday. They had 12 runs uh, on Tuesday. And the, the Angels are broken. Like they've released everybody. They, they've completely fire sailed their team, which is an entirely different story for another time. Uh, and we can discuss that at a later date because I do have an interesting topic about that. that that's a, a Mitch potential uh, topic for us. But I, I don't know if we'll get to it. We'll, we'll have to see. But yeah, that's going to be a great series. But yeah, if you lose two out of three here, you're going into a very tough series on the weekend. Now, I will say, though, and we'll caveat, the Cubs are going into Cincinnati for four. It's a doubleheader on Friday night, Friday during the day, day-night doubleheader. 
and the Reds are going to come in desperate. They're, the wheels have kind of fallen off of Cincinnati. They're seven games back. Basically, this is a do-or-die weekend for them in Cincinnati, and they have to you know, reestablish themselves. And if they are able to, they will. And so sometimes hungry dogs run faster. And I, I do wonder, you know, is that going to play a role this weekend? And something to think about, you know, if you're, if you're doing any sort of handicapping uh, in baseball uh, with your football. Speaking of that, uh, moving on. Badger best bets. Uh, I I ran through, I'm the first time I did this, I ran through like what I thought about all the different bets that you could make with the Badgers in terms of futures. And I probably should have done this topic a week ago, a week and a half ago. Um, I didn't, I apologize. Uh, so Badger are eight and a half, but it's minus 165. That That's not great juice, guys. Like that's not, like if you want to lay it, go ahead, but you're not winning the ton of money that way. Like that's not going to bring you back a ton of a ton of dollar bills, right? Uh, and so I, I do I do kind of recommend against it. I think eight and a half is an easy number for them to clear. If you look at the games they should win, they just have to win a couple of those toss up games, which I would qualify as Illinois, Iowa. Uh, I did that like Brian Bulaga, Iowa. <laughs> I think Purdue is a little bit of a toss game, honestly, um, even though Purdue should be that good and they're going to struggle maybe a little bit early out the gate. I just, I think West Lafayette Friday night, not exactly uh, the most uh, comforting environment, shall we say. And then uh, Washington State, that's blues. But like, as long as you're able to win, you know, one of those toss games, or yeah, one or two, I, I believe it would be, uh, you hit that. And I think what I would look for is like an exact win total. Uh, if you had like nine or 10, a 10, you probably get plus money. Nine, I would bet it would be maybe minus 115. I'm sure sports book have, sports books have this. Uh, I, I don't have it on where I was looking. So um, check that out. Uh, Badgers win the Big Ten very much against uh, 750, plus 750. Uh, I just, Big Ten's really fucking good, man. Uh, Michigan can win the national championship. I think if bounces break the right way, Penn State could win the national championship. Ohio State's always going to be there. Like that's who Wisconsin has to get through to win it. Uh, if you want to do it uh, because you're a madman or mad woman, go ahead. But I just I do not see that one. Um, I just think there are better teams. I think the Badgers are in that second tier uh, of Big Ten teams. That said. What my best bet would be, just from a value perspective, is Badgers make the playoffs at plus eight hundred. Now, this means that if you bet ten bucks, you win eighty dollars. Um, and here's why I like it: it's a little more safe than to win the Big Ten because that would mean that they'd have to win the game against Team X, right? And Team Michigan, Penn State, Ohio State. If they got to the playoff, that's not exactly true. Like if they go, if they go uh, undefeated, and then they face off against one of those teams, and they lose, they're probably still in the playoff. So you're kind of backing it up, and you get an extra 50, 50 on the odds. You go from it being seven, 75 to one to eighty to or not eighty to one. <laughs> that would be that would be interesting. Uh, eight to one. Uh, and so I, I think that's more than enough reason why you take the playoff. And I feel like that to me is the best bet. Braylon Allen is also 80 to one to win the Heisman. Uh, I don't like that. There's only been two running back winners in the last 15 years 
if anything, Tanner Mordecai would actually probably win the Heisman if, like, the Badgers had this complete, like, renaissance year uh, under Luke Fickle. I feel like Mordecai would be the one that would get it, but maybe not. I don't know. Uh, but I would be very against any sort of running back wager on the Heisman. And, again, you're going up against Caleb Williams trying to go back-to-back. So you might just be lighting your money on fire. We'll, we'll have to see. But that does it for today's abbreviated show. Hope you guys enjoyed it as much as you could. Uh, like I said, we'll be back up tomorrow. We'll be fine. I have another solo show, and it's Mitch on, th- on Friday uh, to close out the week. Uh, and we'll uh, we'll get into it, man. Um, and we'll uh, we'll we'll continue to uh, talk about the Badgers. Um, we'll talk Badgers Buffalo recap, the Cubs and Brewers series as a whole, uh, and any other news that comes out. There was Bucks news today. So maybe talk about that. I know I didn't talk about the Jax thing. The only thing I was going to say is, so if you guys saw, I'm sure you saw Jax offering drinks for the Packers or if the Jets lose uh, and Aaron Rodgers loses. And there's some fine print and this whole other thing. And I, I just, my initial thought is Jax did not lean into this. It didn't seem like Jax really liked this, this attention. And my guy Murph and I were the first ones to post it, but they came out with this long statement about like how, yes, these are the rules. Here's what it entails. Uh, they kind of clarified some of the things. And then they also said like, Hey, we're like a pack apart. Like, and as I said, in like the stuff I did on social, like they're trying to get people in on non-Packer game days and good about them. You know? And then I think the next step now is to buy a bunch of drinks, uh, make sure you're there. 15 minutes before the game is also a very fun twist because it's hard to a get established, get set up. Like what if you're there, you know, 20 minutes early, but the bartender doesn't see you till 10 minutes. Sometimes the service there, not always the greatest, but it's also a very busy place. So uh, I, it was fun to see how much traction it got. It's cool to see a place that I go frequently. It's cool to see something that we put on social, uh, get some attention. The biggest thing that pissed me off is I had that Saturday night. And I didn't post it till Monday afternoon. And God damn it, uh, that that pisses you off. But it's better uh, than uh, having your computer crash and you having to be up at two, you're up at 2 a.m. Uh, so I appreciate all the love and support. Please uh, listen to this one. Uh, bear through it with me. And uh, sorry for the sips. Uh, your boy was just, you know, a little parched uh, at, at certain points. But take care. Have a good one. And we'll see you tomorrow. Peace. If we can.